Welcome to episode three of Lost Without Japan, a podcast based on Japan in your Lost Without moments. This is your director of travel for TKIC Studio Productions, coming to you with hopes and dreams of a return to travel for himself and others in summer 2022. I'd like to thank you for giving me a bit of your time today and truly hope that this podcast finds you in a good place or on the path to a better one, no matter how it may seem at this moment. Truly hope that for all of us, that Japan can be a beacon that can bring hope, happiness, and just a better future for all of us. Go ahead and take a few deep breaths and come along with me as we begin planning either your first trip to Japan or your return trip to Japan once travel opens back up to us. Now, getting you to Japan on either your first visit or on a return trip will be a topic that I hit upon many times, especially this first season. Today's episode is going to be a bit of a detour, though, from what was originally planned. This change was brought on by a notification on my phone that marked one of my favorite days of the year. And I can honestly say that it shows just how busy it's been for me lately to not know that it was coming. So today's podcast is instead going to focus on making sure, number one, you took step one from our last episode, and then also share with you one of my most meaningful Lost Without Japan moments, and then talk a little bit about a movie that is celebrating its 18th anniversary for theatrical release in the U.S. of A. And that would be my favorite movie of all time, Lost in Translation. So come along with me today for our journey. And I feel that Japan and all of these Japan-related wonderful experience will soon become one of what I hope becomes many positive beacons in your life. Step one today is simply, have you opened that second account in that credit union, bank, online site, or turned your Apple Cash into just something that collects funds from you throughout the you know day, month, year, and so on? If you have, let me be one of the first to just congratulate you on taking that first step to realizing your dream. If you haven't yet, no worries. I was where you were for such a long period of time. But let me tell you, truly, it doesn't matter how small of a step you take or how big it is. Because eventually, any step that you take is going to get you to Japan. Yes, you will be stepping off an airplane one day or rolling off the airplane and be able to see firsthand your dream come true. And let me tell you, don't wait 37 years to find out that you are worth it that your dreams are worth it, and see your internal self-worth, okay? So please, go ahead, set that notification, 
let's get this taken care of and let's get you to Japan. It doesn't matter if you're setting aside just the interest from a credit card or if you are setting off $5 a paycheck, whatever it is, let's get these dreams going. Now, one thing I just would like to say in regards to that is this. You don't have to plan the month-long visit. You don't have to plan the multi-week visit. Just getting yourself to Japan, be it even just for a week, is going to cascade into you wanting to return and almost have that refocus of, hey, I'm about to buy a coffee or I'm about to go buy some fast food or I'm about to buy a digital movie. And it's crazy. It's not like you're going to deny yourself everything that you have. But there are quite a few times throughout the year where I'm like, listen, do I really want to spend this here? And if yes, awesome, do it. It's important to enjoy life outside of Japan as well. But I'm going to tell you, once you're there, once you've had the food, once you've drank the water, you're going to want to return. And there's been more than one time that rather than buy that package of Oreos or you know buy that uh, movie, that I've taken that money that I've had instead and just transferred it to the account. And again, doesn't matter how big or small that is. So next week, we are going to kind of continue our discussion about getting you to Japan. And I'm going to talk about some things that I would recommend you buying kind of in small amounts leading up to your trip. And one of those is just saying no to roller luggage. Don't live in my faults and enjoy all you can that first trip. Okay. Now, if you've taken that step or you have recommendations for things to experience Japan with, if this is not your first visit, or maybe it's you've traveled a lot and have some of those life hacks to share, please reach out to me at lostwithoutjapan at gmail.com or Instagram at lostwithoutjapan. Moving on. My most meaningful Lost Without Japan moment would honestly be on my first return visit, visiting Hiroshima. Now, back with Japan Fulbright Memorial Fund, I had the wonderful opportunity to listen firsthand to a Hiroshima survivor and listen to his um, telling of that day Uh, the weeks after, months after, and how it just continued to impact not only his life, but his children's life. And how, despite all that happened, he held no ill will towards the United States, but instead had a singular focus on wanting to make sure that that horrible event never happens again. Now, It was hearing this, along with me talking to my dad upon my return back in 2004, and him kind of sharing his experience in Hiroshima, and the fact that the people that he went with, along with himself, really only found themselves being able to stay in the museum for about 30 minutes uh, to like maybe an hour, um, and some of them way less. 
And it's not that there wasn't enough for them to see or do while they're there, but instead the Peace Museum in Hiroshima really seems to impact people in a variety of different ways. And I can say that was very much the same for me and those that visited with me. So let's move on to talking about that and what led to one of my most memorable moments. Like I said, when I went to Hiroshima on my return trip, it was due in no small part to listening to the Hiroshima survivor, to my dad and others that made that visit. I knew that it was not going to be a place that I missed on this return trip. And honestly, though, I can say that nothing could have really prepared me, though, for how much that experience impacted me. Upon arriving to the museum, the grounds itself and to the park, they do have a building that is still standing from that time and one of the few things that did survive that really cements firsthand what happened and it's just something concrete that you could actually physically see in front of you. And for me, it kind of uh, helped reinforce and set that mood that carried over through the whole time. One nice thing I can say is that the museum really goes all out in trying to make sure that everyone that visits the museum gets the most out of it. And I was able to rent a listening device that I was able to use throughout my visit to hear everything in English. And it really goes to say like how much they want to make sure that no matter where you're coming from, that you're able to take away as much as possible from your experience. Now, when I first started going through the exhibit, a lot of what was being shared was historical and were things that I had heard, but hearing it from a Japanese view was definitely eye-opening. Working my way through and listening to all that it had to offer, I began to wonder like, what impacted my dad or others that visited with him that made them have to shorten their trip so much. And I can say for me that what impacted me the most was not necessarily where what I heard on audio or what I saw in the upper level of the museum, but instead when I came down and was able to see firsthand artifacts such as a child's bike or clothes and various things that were found after the bombing that are in glass cases and have a very firsthand description of what occurred uh, at the time of the bombing, where this came from, who this came from. And during that time, back in when I visited, I have, you know, my son and my daughter being a father myself and can say 
you don't have to have kids to have this impact you. Our fur babies will do the same. But reading the description of children, young adults that lost their life, and being able to see something tangible from that just horrific event really drove home those numbers or like what you've read or heard previous to that moment. And it, it impacted me so much. And it really, really overwhelmed me. And I truly could not stay and finish the museum. The emotions that I began to experience just were so overwhelming. And I really did not want to disrupt other people around me and their experience by, you know, crying in person. And I truly felt at that time, the best thing that I could do was to, you know, exit and kind of walk and just be in my own thoughts for a little bit. So I did just that. I feel that I got everything out of my visit that could have potentially been hoped for uh, by those that, that have, you know, created this space and this experience for us all to share in. But my day and my emotional journey was not done there. Because what I did not realize was upon leaving that they actually had an event that day where other Hiroshima survivors were in attendance and were having a ceremony uh, for them and the event at that time. And the first thing that came to me was thinking, I have a chance to say thank you to the person that spoke to my group and let them know that what they shared with us had me return and experience this firsthand. But as I, um, like, uh, as I looked out into the people that were there, uh, I began to notice uh, that the gentleman that spoke with us was uh, not with that group. And that just further drove home the events kind of of that day. And to know that uh, I wasn't going to be getting that opportunity to say thank you um, really just continues to even impact me, uh, you know, to this day. So... You may say, Mike, you know, how is this a loss without Japan moment? And I'd say that not all of our moments in life need to be happy ones, but 
it was in this lost with it thought process and just cloud that I became in where I was focused on not being able to say thank you. I was focused on those artifacts that I'd seen. I was focused on the stories that I'd read and heard that I feel that uh, the, you know, spirit of the gentleman that I heard was definitely with me on that day and like looked out for me and guided me to uh, someone that I consider a good friend uh, to this day. So let's, you know, kind of move move on a, little, a bit that's here. And th- sorry, uh, you know, for audio quality doing, trying to hold it best, together the best I can for this time. But I know um, you'll definitely be understanding in this. Now, it was in those moments of walking around in a haze that I was searching for, like, any comfort that I could end up finding. And I don't know about you, but if you've been gone from home for any length of time, one of those things that can bring you some comfort is just some food from home, which is not impossible to find in Japan, but it is definitely um, harder to find. So I was walking along and found a an establishment that looked to be open. And there was not a lot that was open around that time when I was walking that I had noticed. So I kind of peeked inside and noticed that the gentleman that owns and runs uh, Good Time, uh, Funari in Hiroshima, was there and was in the process of having like an interview. And I can honestly say that what I chose to do next was totally due to the mental state that I was in at that time. Because had I been in a normal headspace, I would have not taken and done what I did next. But I can say that I'm thankful um, that I did. What I saw on the uh, table uh, that they were sitting near was a variety of food, one of them being a hot dog. Yes, a hot dog all the way on the other side of the world. And coming from Chicago, one of our biggest comfort foods besides a deep dish pizza is definitely a Chicago dog. So seeing the chance to have a hot dog and an adult beverage really just kind of helped ground me in that moment. So I stepped inside and not knowing any Japanese at the time, and it turns out my friend, not knowing much English at the time, came up to me and told him, you know, what I was looking to do. He sat me on the opposite end of the restaurant away from the interview and said that he would, you know, take care of me and kind of brought an brief like English menu at that time and then went back and talked with the individual they were doing the interview with. And I ended up ordering that hot dog that looked 
uh, just amazing. And ordering that beverage of choice and really it helped ground me and helped me to think through having that comfort, you know, from home there and process all those thoughts that I was going through. And although I can say like not being able to say thank you was definitely something I wish I could have done and missed that not having that opportunity, but having listened to him and having had that time uh, with him to be able to ask questions and things like that, I can honestly say that just me making that trip would have meant the world. And I can say, like I said, I felt I was definitely guided at that time. And I'll take from it that most likely he knows that I went there and aimed me in the direction that I ended at that time. So while I was eating, and this interview is going on across the way, uh, my friend continued to come back and forth. And I will unabashedly say that I've had some of the best hot dogs in my life in Chicago. But the one that I had that day continues to be my favorite. And that would be the uh, spicy dog. If you get the chance to go to Japan and visit Good Time in Hiroshima, Please definitely stop by, tell them Mike from Chicago sent you, and just enjoy a wonderful experience. Since that time, I've again visited a couple different times and looked to share that with my son often uh, on more than one occurrence, but definitely uh, summer of next year. So... It was with that comfort that I received and kind of that grounding that I received, I was able to continue with my day and kind of spent some time kind of reflecting in a in thought and just kind of walking through one of my favorite cities to walk through in Japan and that along that riverfront that is there. And I can say that um, by the end of the day, I was definitely mentally exhausted as well as a bit physically, uh, just from having walked as much as I did, but found myself in a way better um, place and something that um, I would definitely, um, you know, owe to that time. You can visit uh, my friend's uh, establishment. Uh, his website is Good Time Funari, and it's Good Time F U N. A-I-R-I, and it's can be found on Facebook. He has a website, which is goodtimefunary.business.site or goodtime underscore funary on Instagram. Since that visit and on my return visits, he's added way more than just hot dogs to his menu, so please definitely go check him out. But one thing that I want to kind of point out and was lost in the order of my thoughts is you can tell that I still am impacted by that visit to the museum. My experiences of listening to Hiroshima Survivor, you know, even to this day. But what I found out after my return home was that my friend's restaurant wasn't even open at that time. In fact, that interview was an interview that was based on him soon to be opening. 
And it's one of those only in Japan moments where you have a gentleman or lady, whoever's running this establishment that you will find in your experiences there that go above and beyond way more than they need to. He could have easily have told me, no, (laughs) you know, have interview going on. And I wouldn't have taken anything from it and would have walked on. But he went above and beyond and served me in the process of being interviewed. And I messaged upon my return, like apologizing profusely for having done that. But he just basically was like, come visit again. And I've done that and will continue to do that uh, for that time. And like I said, I consider him a friend and someone that I visit every time. And kind of like my family, extended family, uh, of people that I've met through there uh, in Japan. So I couldn't be more thankful. Sometimes taking that step and doing something you wouldn't normally do especially uh, when you're on vacation, can lead to some of the most memorable things in your life, okay? Now, one quick PSA reminder. If you haven't, go online now, set that calendar reminder, and make a point of starting your journey to Japan. Sorry to harp on it, but let me... You are worth it. Now, last but not least... What caused me to kind of change the focus of today and not have the third section be about travel, but instead be about the movie Lost in Translation, was the fact that on October 3rd, that the movie Lost in Translation was released in the U.S. for the first time. Like I said, today's the 18th anniversary for this release. Now, this movie means so much to me. And it's a movie that I've literally watched over a hundred times. And a movie that when I'm at my lowest of lows can be something that I watch multiple times during a week. And I do it because it brings me back in a way that not many other things to, to Japan. And being able to see different sites and things that are there and experience kind of two people that are lost themselves. And that would be, you know, your Scarlett Johansson and Bill Murray in the Sofia Coppola directed film. And let me just say, this 2003 movie still holds up huge today. Now, if you haven't seen this, please, please uh, do me a favor. Watch it. Now, I understand it's not everyone's cup of tea, and I can honestly say it's one of those movies where you either love or you're just like, eh, but it's a love for me. Um, And it's one that, when I went to Japan first in 2004, led me to try to visit some of the locations from the movie and brings up a curse of mine. Now, in the movie... They are in the New York bar, and I went there with the sole purpose of getting my picture taken where Bill Murray sat, holding a glass of Centauri, and just having that be something I could display at home just forever. And 
I gave my phone um, over to have the photo be taken place to people that I was with. And it was um, uh, um, one of those things that like, I didn't look closely enough at it at the time. And I say phone, but I apologize. It was a digital, like it was like a camera at that time. And I didn't really notice till I got back home, but the picture that I had did not turn out well. It was very dark and was not what I wanted from that time. So when I returned, it was definitely, um, one of my goals was to have a good picture taken this time. And that first return trip was done by myself. And I didn't have a friend uh, that I could turn to and say, hey, can you take this picture for me? And when I arrived uh, to get this taken, the curse continued. And even though they were supposed to be open, there was the delay that day in time. And they allowed me to go inside and sit down and have my picture taken, which kudos to them. They didn't have to, um, but it was very quick. So I handed over my phone and got my picture taken sitting down and was out the door as quick as I could be because they were super hectic, super busy trying to get up and going. And again, not sure what happened, but it wasn't something that I could go back into. And after getting my picture taken, um, and ending back up outside looking at it, I saw that, nope, that it didn't turn out again. So uh, curse continues, head back with my friends um, on my trip back in uh, 2017 and go to get my picture taken again. And I was like dead set on having a great photo. So I bought a brand new camera with lenses with new memory cards and was like, I'm going to take some amazing pictures on my trip and I'm going to have one stellar photo of me in the New York bar sitting where Bill Murray sat that I can have displayed for as long as I am alive. And I made sure that the photo turned out. I, you know, looked at it, zoomed in. It was everything that I could have hoped for. Going back home, I remember looking at the picture on the few days that we had left at that point in time, looking at it on the flight and just being like, yes, this is it. I have it. Finally, <laughs> success, right? Get through the airport, through your bags being scanned and what ends up happening <laughs> when I finally uh, end up uh, unpacking and getting ready to finally send that to be printed, but realize that I have a corrupted new memory card. And it's not completely corrupted. Of course not. But what is corrupted is uh, my pictures from the New York bar. So let me tell you, sorry for this ramble, but I uh, will do everything I can on my return trip with my son and my uh, friend to have them all take pictures on the device, make sure that all of them are happy so I can finally uh, lay this curse to uh, rest. 
and have that picture uh, that I'm looking for. I've even gone so far as to buy the uh, camo shirt uh, for my son and I that Bill flips over in the movie. Um, and uh, those of you to watch it, you'll know. We'll have our suits, have our thing that's here. We're even going to go karaoke in the same location um, that they did in the booths that are there. So we're really going to make the most of it and make it not only a memory for myself, but that also one for my son. And truly can't wait for it to be something to share with my daughter, too, uh, when we get to that time. So thank you for listening to my most memorable experience. Now, we had our first uh, listener requests um, come to us in the TKIC studio. And that is a request to kind of have some talk about the group AKB48 and providing some concert information for someone who's looking to visit Japan. And um, I've not forgotten about you. And they are on Instagram at Eris Carthian. And I have someone in mind for you. And as soon as I get to where I'm a little more comfortable recording with some friends and having the two mics set up, I will uh, reach out to someone that I have in mind who's been to to Japan follows AKB48 very closely. Huge fan, uh, part of their fan club. Definitely the person to talk to about that. And I will have them on the show at some point uh, to help answer that question for you. So thanks in your patience leading up to that. Now, a bit of housekeeping. Please give a follow, a like, and comment on your favorite streaming service. For updates on the show, feel free to go to my Instagram account at Lost Without Japan or visit lostwithoutjapan.lipson.com. If you'd like to reach out directly to the show, feel free to email lostwithoutjapan at gmail.com. Look for the next episode to arrive in two weeks and have our adventure continue together as we continue our discussion about getting you to Japan and start making your own Lost Without Japan moments in episode four. On behalf of Lost Without Japan and the entire crew, I'd like to thank you for joining us on this trip, and we're looking forward to seeing you on board again, again in the very near future. To everyone out there, Oginki Day, stay well.